0: Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm your host, Connie Bowman. Thank you so much for joining me. 2013, we started with this passion project, I started. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And in some ways, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I like to live my life with that little bit of uh, mystery, little room for the mystery. So um, thank you for being here. And um, I think you will, and I will, we will both enjoy today's talk. It's uh, going to be deep and rich. And um, we're going to be exploring elephants in the room, as I promised in my first couple of podcasts. Um, you know, if if you uh, have been listening, I came out in December with a new children's book called There's an Elephant in My Bathtub. And it's a sweet children's book, it's not really deep or it doesn't have any deep hidden meaning really about elephants in the room, but I decided to dedicate my podcast for the um, first couple of months to elephants in the room. Let's just get rid of them. Let's just make ourselves aware of them so we can live our best lives. And um, I want to start with a little quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. He's that sweet Tibetan monk. He is um, all about mindfulness and he teaches all around the world. And gosh, I think he's in his late eighties now. Um, he's just such a sweetheart. I have this little book that I carry in my yoga bag and I pulled it out. It's called How to Relax by Teek Nan Han. Teeknan Han. There's no D at the end of his name. He says, When you plant a tree, if it doesn't grow well, you don't blame the tree. You look into the reasons it isn't doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. We never blame the tree yet. We're quick to blame our child if we know how to take care of her. She will grow well, like a tree. Blaming has no good effect at all. Never blame. Never try to persuade using reason and arguments. They never lead to any positive effect. This is my experience. No argument, no reasoning, no blaming, just understanding. Mm -hmm. If you understand and you show that you understand, you can love. And the situation will change. I love that from Thich Ngan Han. He is so wise and so sweet and so gentle. And that's what my story, my children's story is about. It's about a gentle dad who comes across these big wild animals in the house and how he takes care of them and gently uh, directs them is a good reminder for all of us to be more gentle and this idea of not blaming um not blaming ourselves not blaming each other is a really good reminder so thank you teak can i call you teak (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's my guest laughing in the bathroom background before i introduce deborah hawkins right to you she's awesome you're going to love her like i do um i would just want to give a shout out to our sponsor blue planet eyewear they just uh sh- gave a shout out to me on instagram so thanks blue planet i love you guys so they make really cute readers i'm wearing them now can you see them deborah they're cute I right can, they are. <laughs> doesn't you have a great voice so blue planet eyewear is an eco friendly company. Company. They make readers and sunglasses, and they give back. They give back to people who would not otherwise be able to afford vision care um, all over the world. They, they work through, um, I think, World Vision, Sea International, maybe Save the Children. I don't know. But anyway, you can find all their information on blueplaneteyewear.com. And if you use the code CONNIE20, you can get a nice, happy, healthy you listener discount. So, there. So, check them out. So, without further ado, I would love to introduce to you my friend and my fellow yogi, Deborah Hawkins Wright. She is the founder of a really cool. Organization, and she's wearing really cute bracelets that are clicking. So be careful, don't touch. No, Um, I just wanted to let let everybody know how fashionable you are because you can't see the fashionable aspect on a podcast. Anyway, Deborah Hawkins Wright is the founder of Inside Out Loving You, and it's a life strategies consulting uh, company. And her mission is really personal transformation, but also overcoming barriers uh, that we all have to becoming culturally aware. And I just love this conversation. This is a big elephant in the room, right? Deborah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this important subject. Thank you so much for
1: having me, Connie. My mellow sister. I love that you call me your mellow sister. I love being a mellow sister. And you are, and that's what we all strive for. How do we uh, find that level of comfort in ourselves that permit us to embrace and love and connect to people who don't look like us, Mm. um, who don't have the same experience that we have? Um, How do we become culturally aware? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, before
0: we get into this conversation, because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. I just I love this subject and I love acknowledging that elephant in the room, because first of all, aside from your beautiful jewelry that you're wearing and, ma- Thank and you. making noise, <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. you have a little bit darker skin than me. I, I get pretty tan. So, uh, yes. And yes. so let's just acknowledge that we, we don't look alike and we come from different backgrounds but we can still love each other. <laughs> we do and love each yeah, other. Yeah. And
1: amazingly, even though we are not the same hue, we do look a lot alike, mm-hmm. and we are humans.
0: We are. We are. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. that let's just talk about Inside Out Loving You and how that started and what your mission is, just to kind of put it out there.
1: Yeah. Well... I completed a Master of Arts degree in human dynamics um, last February in the course of completing that degree, I learned something about myself my passion um, my passion is personal transformation as relates to as relate to the laws of uh, Uh, the science of psychology, if you will. We call it the psychology of personal transformation. As I went through this course, my uh, dissertation, if you will, or my thesis was uh, cultural awareness in a race-based American society, And as I did my research to prepare this paper, to pass this research class, uh, I discovered that there are many pockets of people in our society who are excluded from getting on a leadership track because they do not possess the characteristics that are necessary for cultural awareness as it relates to working in a global society. We all find that there is diversity um, among people that requires to talk in a certain way, to behave in a certain way, to uh, consider things outside of our normal dynamic, if you will, For example, if we go into Baltimore City, we will find that there are a number of young people there who possess all of the qualities to be strong leaders um, on a global track in an international environment. However, they are not aware of my formula, which is cultural intelligence equal emotional intelligence plus cognition or IQ, if you will. In you other words, have a formula. there is a formula. Oh my yes. gosh!
0: It sounds like math. Can we? Can we just? Can you? <laughs> but repeat it's so that? simple. Okay, repeat that. Let's just unpack that. CQ. For a CQ.
1: Equal EQ plus IQ. That's very simple. Okay. Cultural intelligence requires us to bring to the table a level of emotional intelligence plus cognition, or Intelligence, where we are able to look at the world around us and reason it within certain parameters. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does yes. make sense. Yes. And so how do you begin to create a culturally aware society at its core where people actually throw away any preconceived ideas about how a person is based upon what we've been programmed to believe people are in American society. That is a question,
0: isn't it, Deborah? It I is. I mean, we and and don't you feel I mean this is so so important mm-hmm. right now in our culture because it's it's grown from a black and white thing to a multicultural thing. We we are so
1: blessed. We now hear yeah. that people who are from Uh, Hispanic nations Mm -hmm. possess certain characteristics um, that they're drug dealers that they uh, bring in disease that they are uh, not like us not American Mm -hmm. you know Um, and amazingly when we get rid of the barriers that separate us we find that America being a melting pot uh, permits people of of every ethnicity to be a part of our daily experience. So, if we hear in the news or we live our lives by sound bites that dictate that an Asian person behaves this way, uh, a, a Spanish person or a person of Spanish background behaves this way, a black person from the inner city is likely to possess these characteristics. A white person from uh, a uh, a particular community possesses these qualities, looks at you this way, then we all go out into the world with our defense mechanisms on high. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's really true. And so short of like um, wearing blindfolds, how do we overcome these um barriers i mean i feel like we've already overcome them we you know
1: have.
0: and just by talking they don't exist by, they don't exist they are i mm-hmm. spoke to gloria and she says gender doesn't exist race doesn't exist we it's create- all
1: man-made yeah it's yeah. all man-made and without getting too deep mm-hmm. when we look at race in america we have to look at the uh the buzzwords that keep us locked in what I call race baiting, and I'll share a poem with you later on the issue. But when we look at minority versus majority, uh, then we begin to look at or see or feel the institutionalization of race in American society, how ingrained it has become. Because now, not only do we have color of skin issues that prompt our interactions with one another, we also have the idea that this person is a minority or this person is a majority, Mm -hmm. and then we start getting into inferiority versus superiority. And there are just so many things that are, they seem small, they seem insignificant, but they're really big. During this research, I conducted a survey And I interviewed, um, or rather, one of the uh, respondents was a 21-year-old white female. And when she got to the question in my survey about how she experiences race in America, she said, well, really, I don't experience race in America because I am a member of the majority, and Mm -hmm. therefore... Race doesn't exist in my world. Mm. That revelation, number one, I was thankful to her for that level of innocent honesty. It is
0: honesty, I guess.
1: But I always suspected it but never had proof of it, so upon hearing it, it made me sick. It mm-hmm. it touched me to my core. Oh, my God, the institutionalization works. Mm-hmm. It really does have an impact from one generation to the next mm-hmm. as to how they interact with people who mm-hmm. don't look like them, people that they may consider right. not a part of the majority. And I
0: suppose it a- it really matters where geographically you are because in our area we're so fortunate in close being close to washington dc we have we have a melting pot we really do i mean um my kids grew up we had uh, pakistani neighbors greek neighbor like literally first generation greek pakistani i'm trying to think there's oh chinese yes Um, and then when we sold our house we sold to a first generation chinese family i mean Mm -hmm. yeah and all of
1: you were pursuing the same dream yes that's why that's why we're here. That is why we're
0: here, except for you know our ancestors, your ancestors, my that's probably right. mine too. Yes, um, yours yeah. too,
1: being Jewish. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, yes. I'm not Jewish. You're not.
0: I, well, I might have some back back in the day. I mean, we all were probably. Who knows?
1: And who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yes, <laughs> but um, certainly when you look at the history of blacks in America. I can see it being akin in some ways to the Mm -hmm. Jewish experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than those two groups, if I can call, um, Jewish is not an ethnicity per Mm -hmm. se, but Mm -hmm. the experience of being black in America is the very thing that cultural awareness in a race-based American society is all about. It, It relates to the fact that since I was transplanted Or rather, since my uh, ancestors were transplanted through slavery to be in America, to build a nation, and then to acclimate and find its place in that nation, and to assign a certain pride with being black and American, that is... uh, an experience that brings with it a number of psychological dynamics. Mm, For sure. Um, There is the post-traumatic stress that is um, related to All of the aspects from the uh, withholding of education, not having the right to read, going through Jim Crow, the emasculation of the black man in our society, women-headed households, um, the... uh, The imbalance, the economic imbalance, and the earnability capabilities, and the differences in education um, from one zip code Mm -hmm. to the next. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these things bring about a certain level of PTSD that. We're not even aware of We're,
0: that's a that's a really good point I mean we we talk about PTSD with regard to our veterans yes. which certainly that is a reality but how often do you hear as a as a white woman in this culture I have don't think i've ever heard of ptsd as relating to that experience of being black in america and it's generational i would i would assume it's generational it
1: is generational yeah. and based upon your education as to how you inculcate those things that prompt the ptsd to make it plain as a black woman when i'm riding in my car if a policeman is behind me then i go through a number of psychological mechanisms if you will without even realizing it. First there is the nervousness, then there is the have I done anything that would cause him to pull me, or her to pull me over? Um is my car legal? Have I paid all of my tickets? Right. Are there any all warrants? All the normal things that we oh, all go through, that's right? right? That's right. That's yeah. right. But as a black woman, it's different because based upon my answers and my and how I answer Sometimes I even have to dumb down in order to make it through that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So point being, a simple thing like having a car behind you can prompt aspects of PTSD in an individual. So,
0: So for me, this really brings up the subject of empathy. And yes. um, I'm, as I sit here and I see how passionate you are, and I can feel, and I feel the empathy arising. I mean, yes. I don't know what it feels like to be black in America, but um, I can feel your heart. And yeah. I think that is part of the problem. I think. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just my assumption, which I could be wrong, could be part of the problem. And I just want to talk a little bit about a friend of mine, Robert Chu. Mm-hmm. Do you, Are you familiar with him? He... He was an actor in Baltimore, and he became famous in The Wire. He was a yes, friend of yes. mine. Uh-huh. And during the holidays, Robert and I would sing together in an a cappella group. And what a lot of people don't know, he played Prop Joe in The Wire. And so he was a bad, bad dude, right? Yes. He okay. was really he was um, very large. And mm-hmm. um, what people didn't know about Robert was he had this beautiful voice and the softest, most gentle spirit. Oh. Kind of like the dad in my children's book. Okay. <laughs> Shameless plug. No. Mm-hmm. So one Christmas, Robert and I were caroling together, and it happened to be Christmas Eve, and we had both been booked for this party at this um, house. It seemed to be like an affluent family in, I want to say Chevy Chase or Bethesda, which is a really affluent- Yes, uh, I know Chevy uh, yeah, Chase yeah, yeah. Well. In Montgomery County, yes. Maryland, one of the richest counties in the country. Anyway, so we sang- was born in was, Bethesda. Okay. Mm-hmm. So- so we sang there, and we actually, Robert didn't drive, so um, I drove him. And it was like a late party. They had a beautiful dinner, all candlelight, and we were singing, you know, Silent Night, and it's beautiful. I love mm-hmm. singing with Robert. He was so just an amazing person. Um, and so when we left, it was after midnight, and so it was Christmas. And we drove together, and because Robert didn't drive, he was going to meet because I lived farther away from Baltimore. He lived downtown. He was going to meet up with another quartet to drive him into the city, mm-hmm. and so we we had made plans to meet up at this park and ride. So it got to be about one in the morning, and this other quartet hadn't shown up. And I'm sitting there in the car, and Robert's just so sweet, and. As a, you know, I'm driving my mm-hmm. car and we're just talking. And all of a sudden I look over at Robert. He's like sweating. I mean, he's getting agitated and nervous. And then all of a sudden it looks like he's going to cry. And this is Robert. He's a very large black man mm-hmm. who also happens to be gay. Mm-hmm. And he starts to um, explain to me what's going on. Like he's he's, what he's feeling. opening up to, about what he's feeling. And he says, "You don't know what it's like to be a black man." And he, I think, he's genuinely concerned that he's sitting here, and not then, but now. It's it's dawned on me that because he's with a white woman in her car, like I don't know. I guess he's really concerned. So. Yes. Over the years, Robert has since died from complications of diabetes and heart disease, and probably mm-hmm. a broken heart because he was such a sweet, soft man. And I always mm-hmm. felt like it; had, everybody loved him. He was a great actor. <laughs> he actually, a lot of you guys might not know this, but he—they um, hired him to teach to coach. As an acting coach, the children who um, were in The Wire in seasons four and five, I think it became about education. You guys have, The Wire is one of the best. I love The Wire. It was one of the best Mm -hmm. written and directed and acted um, programs on TV. And truthful. And truthful. That's it. So um, anyway, he was just brilliant. And I think sitting with him that night on on that Christmas morning was one of the biggest gifts um, for me in opening up. Getting rid of that elephant, you know, opening up my eyes to the realities. Because as a white person, if you don't live in close proximity, yes. or you're not going to school, and you know, thank you're God, you're not aware. You're not aware. So mm-hmm.
1: there is, as a matter of fact, yeah. I dare say you're protected from that. Oh yeah. Reality. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And for sure. you bring in another great point being black and a part of the LGBTQ community... and overweight.
0: I mean, he was was pretty unhealthy. He knew it. Yes. It
1: complicates. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But Inside Out Loving You and its message of cultural awareness integrates all of those variables. Mm -hmm. So we get to do workshops that focus upon the stories of real people Mm -hmm. who have come face-to-face with some of these elephants in the room Mm -hmm. and how they've overcome them. And that is extremely uh, important to Inside Out Loving You because the whole concept of Inside Out Loving You states that what you do to your body impacts how your mind works. How your mind works impacts your focused connection to your spirit. This level of self-awareness impacts your ability to engage in transforming the world around you. Mm. So then, through our workshops, we address issues of nutrition. We address issues of the psychology of trauma. The... uh, psychology of self-love, the psychology of race in America. We look at the psychological components. For example, in our first workshop, we looked at the psychology of trauma. And we found that our neural systems actually respond to external influences and result in the manifestation of disease in the body mm. over a long period of time. You mentioned that your friend Robert may have died of a broken heart. Mm. That is very real. We, we use terms and we say things like that and we think, it's just a phrase; it has no meaning, but it has deep correlations to how we thrive as humans.
0: So, and maybe maybe uh, a little um, awareness of the problem of heart disease in African American people—it's it, much more prevalent. It's much more prevalent.
1: Right? In May two thousand seventeen, I had two heart attacks in one day, and. Mm. It was shocking to me, first of all, when the mm-hmm. paramedic said, yes, Ms. Hawkins, you did just have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I ate well. I thought that I was in control of my PTSD, that my knowledge of the fact that mm-hmm. it exists permitted me to manage it, uh, and that anything else that was going on with me was medically managed so that certainly I would never fall victim to the dreaded heart disease. Not only is it hereditary, not only in my family, but in many black families, but it made sense once I looked at it, once Mm -hmm. I understood it. Uh, When the second heart attack came on, it was from a stress test where they induced it. And so you were they on a we no, I no. They, they injected me with something and we we thought I had passed the test and they were getting ready to wheel me back to my room and suddenly it was like that elephant was sitting on oh, my chest. Yeah. And uh so uh that resulted in a series of events and now to God be the glory, because faith is a big piece of what Inside Out Loving You is yeah. about um as well. I have Two years, almost two years under my belt, and I'm beyond that. But the point I'm trying to make about heart health and how being culturally aware and empathetic Mm -hmm. and smart, if you will, how that all comes to play uh, in mind, body, and spirit wellness, mm-hmm. um, the psychology of personal transformation, I found that I had been taking all of the things that had happened to me throughout my life racism uh, in the workplace you know i 'm a child of the fifties, so i uh you don 't look at you guys can 't see you. it, but
0: she is she is one young. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you. You're
0: welcome.
1: But it's good genes, too. You know, I was the youth president of the NAACP, and we had our own local march on the same day that Martin Luther King had his march. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been uh, involved as an activist in the Washington metropolitan area throughout my life. Um, And so... Racism has been very real. I I shattered a number of barriers by being the only black woman in a law firm as a legal secretary or the only uh, person in a room uh, who looked like me, and people would say, Oh, you speak well. I'm like, "Huh? What does that mean?" Of course. I was educated in the United States, you know. Uh, of course I speak well. So, annoying. uh these kinds of little covert things that are part of the 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 racist conversation, if you will, because people don't even know. Yeah. They don't know. Um certainly uh Overcoming all of those things, you know, single parenthood, which is prevalent in our community Mm -hmm. for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons, Mm -hmm. amazingly, that Mm -hmm. are related to the divides that are created between black men and black women, consciously created um, from both a financial and an emotional insight. That's another (laughs) podcast. Exactly. But overcoming single parenthood. going to school while working a full-time job as a single parent and all of the things that I encountered there uh, and then completing a degree in computer information systems and moving into the tech industry mm-hmm. to find that many times I was the only woman in the space mm-hmm. and shattering that barrier. Because once you get in, then to neutralize you, more people are brought in. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing and a bad thing. But... The point is that dealing with that kind of covert racism day in and day out and all of the traumas of being black in our society and then sweeping it under the rug and decade after decade going forward and keep putting one foot in front of the other and a new day, you know, uh, new mercies, new opportunities, believing that, well, you know what? Your body says, your body wants to run from that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So it invokes a fight or flight symptom. Mm -hmm. And then your other neural system has to kick in and calm you down Mm -hmm. and tell you it's going to be okay. And you don't have to do anything. We've got this. We can do this. You do that over and over and over again, and suddenly it takes its toll it takes on your heart. Toll.
0: Sure. And I just like to pause and take a breath here because if you are uh, listening to this podcast in a white body <laughs> or another body, you know we don't really choose our what what kind of body we're coming into. Although some some people do <laughs> believe that we do. But, but we if can. you are listening in a body and you have had. A different experience than Deborah just described. Maybe you can just take a pause and just breathe that in, and just just for a moment try to imagine what that would be like, and just maybe even just the experience of being pulled over um, by a police officer in exactly. And and just you know, I think about the privileges that I've had growing up as a young white uh, middle class uh, woman. You know, I just it was expected I would go to college, probably get married, have children. Mm-hmm. I I didn't have a lot of barriers that, and um, but I was aware that there were differences, and it's always bugged the shit out of me. <laughs> It really has. I have really? to say, it really has. Uh, and I'm um, ashamed to say I haven't done a lot, a lot about it, except for perhaps be a little kinder than. Um, but
1: you are now. I am. This yeah. conversation yeah. is so important, and mm-hmm. the fact that it made you damn mad—you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. If you do your research, there was a woman back in the '60s, I think it was, named Jane Elliott. She did something called "Blue Eyes, Brown Eyes." And to look at, to help people understand what you've said, put yourself in Deborah's experience. Well, the blue eyes, brown eyes was just that kind of experiment where everyone with blue eyes, when they came in and they registered, they were put in one room. And then the Mm. people with brown eyes were Mm -hmm. put in another room. And the people with brown eyes were treated the way that people with blue eyes are generally treated. Mm. And the people with blue eyes were treated the way that brown eyed people are generally treated well the blue eyed people at the end of the day were many were in tears and they were angry and they wanted to escape their their fight or flight kicked in because they couldn 't imagine living life every day uh, experiencing those kinds of things that they somehow had to normalize into their their daily existence so I just appreciate that we have the chance to talk about it. I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I am passionate about it. My research has taken uh, off and, and led me to places that I never imagined it would. It looks like something that is just attracting women, but... It's attracting men as well um, through women because, and that's okay with me, because once you get that message into the family dynamic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then... You begin planting new seeds, and that's all inside out loving you is about. You know, if you are Christian, the word says, Do unto others as you mm. would have others do unto you. We take that very casually, and we don't really think about what that means. In every major spiritual discipline, There is something akin to treat people the way you want to be treated. It's
0: karma, baby.
1: Yes. (laughs) And we have to go deeply into Mm -hmm. what that means. It doesn't just mean hold the door open for the person behind you because you would want someone possibly to do that for you. It means really look at a person. And hear a person when they speak to you, and the words that are coming out of their mouths, and potentially assign a meaning to the use of those words that isn't customary for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's and give an example. Let's 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 try that. For
1: example, that's going to be a hard one. I'm going to have to. Th- think about that better still let me read this poem to oh, you oh oh yeah and okay, maybe good. this poem will bring it all together okay. because check this out i wrote this when barack obama won the new hampshire primary okay okay it is called race bait a new beginning Quite by accident, I have been dropped into this heaven, pinpointing when the specific incident spiraled me through millions of unexamined suppressions. You see, for hundreds of years, the hue, beige, russet, midnight blue, defined the parameters of the protective organization, the haven, the safe place, the desired configuration. This focus on skin, thus, is a fictionalized story, a fallacy, a catastrophic miscalculation. One moment in time, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, an imitation of life, an urban legend, a ridiculous notion, for through the lens of race... We lost the propensity, the willingness to define social wrongs, as it alone was the bait that kept a nation lost, unable to find its pace. Generations wandering, unknowing, trapped in the past amidst ghostly, vicious throngs. But today, in this historic moment, we learn there are mutual interests, Agreed upon dimensions, common expansions, natural, easy-to-see conventions among beings, not tones, come clear intentions. Complex, thoughtful motivations spark and ignite, and finally, we are driven.
0: That's so beautiful. Deborah, You just have to... Create some silence around that. I'm going to have to post that on the um, podcast page. Thank you it's for It's in my
1: book, Unbreakable, okay. the poetic biography of a sixth generation journey of faith. And that is... A, a book that examines firstborn black women in one Southern Maryland family um, from the late 1800s up to 2008, the birth of my granddaughter. Uh, and I look at each of our experiences through a different uh, dynamic. That mm. is my experience. I have been the beneficiary uh, racial change if you will unlike anyone else in my family and now I see my daughter and my granddaughter both of whom are benefiting much like Gloria Steinem mm-hmm. talked about the women who are benefiting mm-hmm. from those of us who were a part of that movement the same thing is happening with uh, the uh, Movement to make people aware of the dynamic of race in American history and how it comes to play. But the book is interesting. The poem is designed to make you know that there may be a, a group of people somewhere in this country who grew up thinking that to... For example, I was at a Walmart in Indiana in a suburb, you know, uh, a real isolated part of Indiana. And I'm standing in line, and there is a Caucasian man behind me. And here I am at that time, um, a 60-something-year-old woman, and he says to me, Girl, can you just pass me that whatever? Well, immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, This man just called me a girl in circles in black circles to have fully grown people referred to as girl or boy is taboo Mm. because it is yet another psychological trauma Mm. that has deep roots in a slave history in america i could have Responded with all of the anger and hostility that erupted at my core. But instead, I had to turn and look through empathetic eyes and realize this one point. If we're going to address the issue of cultural awareness in America, we must bring empathy to the table that allows us to look at the person we're talking to, understand the generation that they've been born into, Mm. deduce certain things about their experience based on geography, based on uh, economy, sociology. Mm. We have to deduce certain things. Like I can look at you and I can say, if I say, girl, let's turn up. You know what that means. Uh, I
0: don't even think, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what that means. Think, yeah, let's turn up. Let's turn it? up. But <laughs> if I say that to. am not really sure what that means, but I don't, <laughs> it sounds fun.
1: <laughs> For our generation, it would be, let's be cool. Let's do something cool. Yeah, that's what For I thought. For the new generation, it is, let's do something fun. But that's it. Yeah. It is the, the. The, the nuances of language hmm. and how we have to bring certain empathy to the table sensitivity, in order, yeah. and sensitivity yeah. in order not to um, be offended or to tune out or to turn off or to react in a way that dehumanizes someone else yes yeah. Yeah. dehumanizes renee
0: brown uh talks about that in her yes De- the dehumanization that we we encounter and i love in your poem how you uh, one thing that really stuck out you, you said um we were lost and unable as a country to find yes. our pace yes now if that's not enough motivation for us to take a look at this freaking elephant and you know, acknowledge it and start yes. to work on some healing. I don't exactly. know what is, because we need to regain our pace.
1: We really I, do. Especially
0: at this moment in time this right now as history. we sit here.
1: That's yeah. right. So, Because it's going to take all of us uh, living in harmony
0: mm-hmm.
1: to move into this next era of global existence, if you will.
0: Mm, for sure, for sure. Or we're not going to make it. Or we're right?
1: not going to yeah. make it. And I in fear. America, when we look at our history, we have a long way to go. How can you engage in effective international relations if you have not dealt with the uh, nuances of what diversity in, our, in this country really means? Yeah. Um, We've we've made tremendous progress. Don't get me yeah, wrong. We have. We've made tremendous progress. But when you look at Sandra Bland, all of the other young people who are who have been victims of uh, murder and 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 deaths under questionable circumstances, young people of color, black people, and when you look at the fact that. There is a rise of uh, supremacist values in 2019 um, in America. How can
0: anybody put those two words together? Supremacist values. values. That makes no (laughs) sense to me. Does does that sound stupid to anybody else? I'm sorry. I just (laughs) had to call the elephant the elephant. Sorry.
1: Yes, no but we are driven. Yeah. We are driven by conversations such as this. Mm-hmm. We are driven by a Barack Obama. We are driven by Me Too. We are driven by Black Lives Matter. We are driven by Inside Out Loving You. All of these things are designed to drive us to a new space, a new way of thinking um, so that we can get rid of all of the soul-robbing shams that have been a part of our experience in this country up till now. I would hope to get to a place in uh, our children's future generations history where they know nothing about the feelings Mm. that are associated with color of skin issues. It just doesn't. Come to play,
0: I see it in my kids i'm I'm, I'm heartened by that. I do see yes. my kids just they they just don't even get it, so it's beautiful i yes. so there is hope, and yes. um i I am just so grateful for you having this conversation allowing allowing this to happen and um, we have to keep going we really do have to keep it going and i want to give all your information i know you have a workshop coming up and i want to give your website so people can find out more about you and your book and everything before we do can we just talk about one final um thing for this for now yes (laughs) because we have a lot more to talk about i know Mm -hmm. um what what are the gifts for us i mean for me it's it's um pretty plain opening doors to new relationships that are much more rich and wonderful what are the gifts the gifts that we all all of us have to to look forward to, look to. Forward to if we can break down these walls remove these barriers to our um, cultural divisions
1: what what are there the gifts there are so many First of all, we will find that we are all much more alike than different. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest gift. You were afraid of a person because you thought that they were so far removed from your reality and suddenly you've given yourself the chance to learn that the way that Mama cooked greens in my kitchen is very similar to the way that your mama prepared a dish in her kitchen. Or what we what we draw upon as our faith in one household is the very same thing that another person draws upon as faith in their household. When we talk about mind, body, and spirit we realize that we all have thoughts about the infinite and where we fit in it all. We all have a spirit that seeks to connect to something greater than ourselves. Um, We all want to feel that our story is important. Mm. We all want to feel that It's important not because I just want to tell it, because I want it to be written. I want it to continue in perpetuity. But when I tell my story, I find out that somebody else who doesn't look anything like me and is from a completely different part of the world, has a whole different experience, their story is very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. We can find the similarities, overwhelm. The differences. I think that's the biggest
0: takeaway. Common ground. Yes. Yeah. So let's leave it there for now, Deborah, and give us your information and tell us about that workshop that's coming up and what what it'll have to offer.
1: Well, we are doing the psychology of self-love in March. It'll be March 16th. I love to keep my events in my community, so I work closely with the Columbia Arts Center in the Long Reach community. So we will be doing uh, the psychology of self-love empowered by brokenness. Our speaker will be Pamela Hawkins, my sister, who is an exhorter, and she is an exhorter and motivational facilitator.
0: What's an exhorter for someone who might not know?
1: She is a woman of God Mm -hmm. who will talk to us about how going out with the mindset of helping others has changed her life. She uses the word of God. She uses uh, liturgical dance. She is a uh, public speaker in church settings, Mm -hmm. and she uses scripture and Christian principles to uplift others. So she goes out and she talks to people. They are drawn to her, and she uh, allows them to experience the goodness of God's word to transform their experience. When you hear her story, you will understand how... The events in her life have led to her being qualified to help people through various areas of brokenness. Okay. So she exhorts the word of God to empower people to greater planes. Cool.
0: She's a beautiful spirit. I met her at your last workshop.
1: She's wonderful. I'm so proud of my sister because she's come a long way through a lot of things. Um, um, So we're looking forward to her being there as our speaker for the day. We're going to uh, engage in uh, self-defense demos and we'll have vendors and we'll have an author's corner because the whole idea of being empowered by brokenness is to... Find ways to defend ourselves from all of the assaults on our personage in in this world, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is a mind, body, spirit uh, defense that we have to wage. So, mm-hmm. The Psychology of Self Love, Empowered by Brokenness, March 16th, 3 to 6 p.m., Columbia Arts Center. You can learn more about it on my website, insideoutlove.org. And uh, there you will find not only events about us, but you will also find a new piece that we're introducing, the Ioli necklace, the Inside Out Loving You necklace. You'll find details about this unisex piece that... Uh, embodies the whole idea of mind body spirit um, transformation and I just look forward to seeing a sea of people wearing this necklace and Uh, being able to say that I am intellectually brave and I am physically empowered and Mm -hmm. I am self and other aware because that's what cultural awareness in a race-based American society requires being self-aware so that you can be other aware. Mm -hmm. So
0: beautiful, beautiful work. Well, I hope everyone goes to your website and I hope even more people go to to your workshop because I went to your last one. It was very empowering. Thank you. I um, would love to see just so many people show up because there's here's the truth here's the truth It's like like oprah said what do you know for sure remember Mm -hmm. (laughs) she was asked out of her Mm guest we need one another we need one another we can't do this thing alone and if we keep building walls borders yes if we keep trying to do that barriers whatever you want to call it uh, we're then not we doing lock
1: out things that are significant to our own personal growth yes. and development.
0: I needed you to finish that sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, okay, call me one more time. What do you What's my nickname? You
1: are my mellow sister. I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> well you're my beautiful yogi. So thank you so much, Deborah. and thank you guys for listening and I hope you will continue this conversation in your own homes, in your own neighborhoods. And uh, in the world at large. So, namaste, namaste, Namaste. The divine in me sees and loves the divine in you.
1: Namaste, namaste Connie. <laughs>